Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Welcome to Top Stories of the Week, presented by Girl on the Gov, the podcast. This exclusive bonus episode drops on Tuesdays and gives you the 411 on the need to know political news and tea. So as always, we'll keep you updated. Welcome back to Top Stories of the Week. Happy Tuesday. We have some, well, really like one, one really big story to dive into today that I'm mm-hmm. so curious to hear your thoughts about, which again, we will, we will get there in a moment, but. Well, we will travel. We will travel by Amtrak train, which we need to talk about <sighs> because Maddie, you had like a a dramatic scenario, but also like the best ending in no, the situation truly. that this train, these picks will be coming up in some way on our feed. Mm-hmm. The train that Maddie took was literally like the freaking Polar Express. It was it was magical. I wasn't even there. And I felt like I almost liked winter for a second. I almost did. When I tell you that I had the be- one of the best days of my life yesterday on the Amtrak, I genuinely i don't know the last time i felt so content relaxed present i was just absolutely living have you ever heard on the toast when they claudia talks about her divine diversion no i I think it was like a negative story like she had like some terrible like flight experience but like i just think the title is divine diversion is like the perfect way to explain my -hmm. travel story from yesterday Mm -hmm. because my friend Gigi and I got kind of screwed over with our ride home from Tahoe this weekend. Our friends who were heading home, like their cars were absolutely packed. My sister was even there. Her car was packed. Like Also, Howard was, was there. Howard was there. And like, I didn't want to, you know, squeeze Howard too much, you know. Mm-hmm. So we, they dropped us off at the Amtrak because we like, I've never heard of anyone taking that really to get to Tahoe. It's like a three and a half hour drives. And then I think the train is like five hours. So people and everyone in California has cars. So it's like nobody really does that. I think I had seen a TikTok about it a while ago. That just looked stunning. But the train ended up being like our only option. We even looked for rental cars, like nothing, nothing was working. We're like, what are we going to do? And so our friend who lives in Tahoe, she was like, well, you can take the train it'll take like longer but it's it's an option we're like okay we looked online bought our tickets and showed up and the the train was like delayed but we're in this cute little town trucky in tahoe that's just like a little western town it was snowing it's just like it was so beautiful there this weekend there was so much snow but it was like stunning and so we finally get on the train and we get up and there's like this observation car like the upper level and it has like all the seats are facing the window. So you just like sit there and look out the window the whole time. And then like also the ceiling has windows. So it's just like this really bright, beautiful room. And you're just like, you're like in a sunroom, literally. Yeah. The snow is just like untouched, beautiful, gorgeous. And we just made our way through our winter wonderland on this train. And when I tell Wait. you, like I didn't even barely even looked at my phone. I was just looking out the window for like five hours straight. 
is the whole train like that observation deck situation or is the rest of it like more like standard Amtrak kind of vibe and then just that or no so it has like so many amenities there was like a full sit down diner car where like they literally had like tables like restaurant tables menus waitresses there was a sleeper car where people can like actually get their own private room and like sleep in and then there was a car that like did look more standard Amtrak to me too but and then there was like observation car and then there was like full bar and everything it was like top tier that's nice no it was incredible and I will be going back and I'm not the biggest fan of the Amtrak so Amtrak is so underrated. I swear to God, I was mm. such an anti-train person for so long. Granted, I have like a few non-Amtrak. I don't know what I must have been taking, but like from New York to Boston, like years ago, like years ago, because a lot of my good friends like went to school in Boston. So I'd like go and visit and it was literally like hell on earth glazed over and then some. And then I forgot what it was, but this spring I had to take Amtrak. It was like my only option for wherever I was going. And it was the best freaking experience. I've loved them now. They're also like, I love flying. I'm a weird person. But now I'm like, no, 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 no. Like I rather Amtrak. Mm -hmm. It's Even if it's like delayed, they're so much more efficient. The people are so nice. I'd like the conductor call ahead for me one time and be like, hey, her ticket got messed up. Please let her on like... The next train, I was in Amtrak dra- jail, like literally, but it was cute. And like they were so nice, so professional, but like just so nice. Oh my God. I'm And obs- like I'm our conductor this kept making jokes the whole time. Like the conductor would like come on, like make some like funny ass jokes. Also give us a little like tourism moment. It was like on your right side of the train, there's Donner <laughs> Lake. And it was like just such a vibe. I Wait, is love Donner the Lake like Donner Party? Yes, you know about the Donner Party. Good job. I, I don't know what it is, but I know most of my I friends, even know. who live here, don't even know what that is. But it's just like spooky story where this family like died in the cold and like had to eat each other. That That's second part might be the myth that my dad told me, but I'm pretty sure there was some cannibalism involved. Oof! Wow, interesting. Okay. So basically, this this is what we're saying is we are an Amtrak podcast. Yes, and through. To support our train workers and unions. So. Okay. Just for a political lead in. Well, speaking of Amtrak, one of its biggest stands is President Joe Biden. And I, I feel like that's really wondering. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's the perfect segue into this first is story. Is it? <laughs> it's pretty perfect. <laughs> I don't know. I've never heard a better segue in my life. Oh. So let's get into these top stories, shall we? Let's, let's do it. We're talking about Biden and nothing to do with Amtrak. We're actually talking about the classified docs scenario. Yes. So President Biden has been in a little bit of hot water in the past mm. week or two. You might have seen all of these stories about the classified documents that have been found in his home and in his offices and wondering what does this all mean? So we're going to take the time to explain it today. So President Biden is facing a Department of Justice investigation after his lawyers found classified documents at his Delaware residence and an office in Washington, D.C. They are found in multiple instances with a White House lawyer announcing on Saturday that five more pages had been found at Biden's home. On Thursday, Attorney General Merrick Garland appointed former Justice Department official Robert Hur to lead the DOJ probe. The White House has said it has cooperated with the DOJ during its review and plans to continue working with her special counsel investigation. 
This is a quote from the White House lawyer, Richard Sauber. We are confident that a thorough review will show that these documents were inadvertently misplaced and the president and his lawyers acted promptly upon discovery of this mistake. So really already much different than I would say from the Trump of it all, because that's another big part of the story Mm -hmm. is the mirrors of the Trump investigation as well. So we'll also explain that in a sec. But here's what we know about the Biden documents so far. So on four occasions, classified documents were found at Biden's private residence and a DC office he used before becoming president. So early last November, Biden's personal lawyers were packing files from an office he had in Washington for his work at the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement, a think tank founded by the University of Pennsylvania. There in a locked closet, the White House said they discovered some classified files that should have not been there. The documents were turned over to the National Archives. Then on November 4th, National Archives Inspector General informed the Department of Justice of the discovery. By mid-November, Garland tapped on John Losh. What a name. (laughs) a Trump appointed U.S. attorney in Chicago to oversee an assessment of the materials on December 20th, Biden's personal counsel, Robert Barr, Bauer, Bauer, am I okay? Informed Losh that another set of documents had been found that day in the garage. I think it's Losh. Well, what we are consistent with is not knowing Mm. how to say last names. (laughs) So we're just defending everyone all the time. It's fine. But what we said like that, I forget what episode it was. We were like, if we say it in all the possible ways, we're going to be right eventually. I love that. We'll just keep Mm -hmm. playing with some variations there. But Losh, Losh. You know what's also positive about that is what what if that person is listening and they prefer pronunciation? We're giving them the tools of linguistic creativity. Well, that's what we do here. Fast is, explore. <laughs> that's what we do here is provide the tools for linguistic creativity. And <laughs> it's one of the real pillars of the Girl in the Gov mission. <laughs> and we're here to serve. So anyways, <laughs> Loesch was informed that another set of documents had been found that day in the garage of Biden's home in Wilmington, Delaware. Those documents were soon secured by the FBI. Next one is January 11th, two days after CBS News broke a story about the documents. Biden's personal attorney searched his homes in Wilmington and... The thing is, I've heard people... (laughs) I've heard people pronounce this one so many times and I still can't. Rahiba. Whatever. Two of his homes, two of Biden's homes. And they found one classified document at Biden's Wilmington home. On Thursday, the White House described the review as being over. The search is complete, White House press secretary told reporters. But on Saturday, Sauber, the White House lawyer, said he had found five more pages at Biden's Wilmington home on Thursday when he was working with DOJ officials to hand over what he had days earlier described as one final page of classified materials. So that's the run through of what was found. So the next thing that we know is that the White House says it was unintentional and that they will cooperate fully. Biden has said he takes the handling of classified information seriously and that he is cooperating fully and completely with the Justice Department. The White House has said Biden does not know the the content of the documents. 
I just all this is so confusing to me, but we can mm-hmm. debrief in a I second. Agree. Still, the White House was hardly forthcoming about the existence of a second set of documents when it confirmed the first discovery in the DC office. There was no mention of the second batch recovered in Delaware. It was only after news reports that revealed the later discovery did the White House acknowledge it. So <laughs> on Saturday, Sauber explained that Biden's personal lawyers, led by Bob Bauer, is that somebody's last name? What's going on? I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> had been conducting the searches of Biden's home. Those lawyers did not have security clearances. So when they had found a classified document on Wednesday, they stopped searching that area, he said. It wasn't mm-hmm. until Thursday evening that Sauber, who, is, who has security clearance, went to Wilmington with the DOJ officials to give them the final document that they found. Five additional pages of classified materials, he said. So much, so much to unpack here. Mm, yeah. Next thing we know is that we don't even know what is in these documents or how many were found. So the documents are classified. So they have not been publicly described beyond that they were records that dated to Biden's time as vice president during the Obama administration. So next piece of this is that a special counsel will oversee the investigation. On Thursday, Attorney General Garland appointed a special counsel to take charge of the DOJ's investigation, calling the events, quote, extraordinary circumstances. Hmm. Her, the special counsel, is a longtime prosecutor who served as U.S. attorney for the District of Maryland in 2018 to 2021 at the appointment of then President Donald Trump. He has previously worked on a variety of national security, public corruption, and corporate fraud cases. And then this appointment follows Garland's decision last November to tap former war crimes prosecutor Jack Smith. That's the name I can I can I can roll with. There it is. Jack Smith. As, as special counsel in the pair of cases involving Trump and his handling of classified documents in Mar-a-Lago. The other piece of this is critics. Obviously, the GOP is just latching on to this and accusing Biden of hypocrisy. Many Republicans have seized on the revelations to raise new complaints about the Biden administration's handling of the Trump classified document saga, including that the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago over Trump's version of all of this. And then Republicans have also already vowed to use their new House majority to probe Biden's handling of classified documents and how federal agencies responded. And now this is the interesting part, the parallels between the Trump classified document saga and this one. The two situations are apparently not identical. So the Presidential Records Act requires that all presidential and vice presidential documents be turned over to the National Archives upon the end end of an administration. Other rules govern the storage of classified documents. Now, both presidents have run afoul of those rules, but from what we know so far, there are already important differences between the two and how they have handled their respective situations. In Trump's case, the National Archives was the first to identify the missing documents and request their return. Trump initially resisted returning them and his lawyers and his lawyers at times misled federal investigators. After months of back and forth between the government and Trump aides, 15 boxes of documents were returned in January 2022. According to the FBI, the boxes included 184 classified documents, including 25 marked, quote, top secret, as well as others denoted with labels indicating they contain national security information, such as FISA. Not sure what that is, but national security information. But more documents still remained at Mar-a-Lago, and ultimately the FBI raided the resort in August to retrieve the rest. 
By contrast, Biden's team appears to have found a smaller number of documents and returned them to federal government promptly. Still, the revelations about improperly stored documents in the appointment of a special counsel are, quote, an embarrassment to the Biden administration, said Leon Panetta, who served as White House chief of staff during the Clinton administration and as secretary of defense under President Obama. It is both an embarrassment and damaging to the credibility of the White House because obviously the president had criticized former President Trump and the way he handled classified documents in Mar-a-Lago, Panetta said in an interview with NPR. I don't disagree. Yeah. You know, like I think the comparison is really good to like have in mind of someone resisting investigation, not putting misleading, creating road bumps, et cetera, versus someone that's like, hey, owning up to it, have them take them back, investigate all whatever, like definitely very different in terms of that approach. However, I do think it still warrants an investigation like they're doing, because why did he have these documents? Like no president, no official is like above the law. And there's clearly a law in which these officials, i.e. president, former vice president, et cetera, are not supposed to have these documents. Like, mm-hmm. why? I mean, there's granted, just so don't much know to unpack about. You yeah. know, and like, that's the thing it, too is regardless. that there's different tiers of classification too, and both the like from like an optics point of view of like what the general public is going to think about this is that President Biden and President Trump did the same thing. President Trump, right. he got raided over it. He's you know kind of faced more criticism potentially than Trump than Biden. But at the same time, at least so far, what we know, it's it doesn't seem like the exact same situation. Like no. you said, like Biden's but this this explanation of everything goes to show how hard it is to actually differentiate between the two of them and separate these two out from an optics point of view. Yeah, exactly. it took us however many minutes, like look on your, you know, your app right now, guys, and see how many minutes it took to go through that story. And that's how long it takes to optically maneuver this entire thing and explain it right which does and you know what fox news is saying they're dumbing it down and being like trump got a full raid and everything and such a harsh and from the fbi over this biden is getting nothing it's the same situation it's hypocrisy in plain sight and i think what my biggest concern is too is like again so far what we know like it it does seem like trump's situation is much worse But if there were to be accountability and like, say, they found out that Biden's was just like kind of a mistake of admin or something, whereas Trump's like misleading investigators like and kind of it's it's much worse on that side. If there's accountability for Trump, like it will be like a literal all out war because, again, optically, like this is too kind of like too much information to like communicate to the masses and synthesize yeah Yeah. so it's like i worry that this will just like invalidate any accountability that comes for for trump because this was like the thing with trump was like my one biggest hope that he could potentially face some legal accountability but now i think it kills it and yeah, I don't know. And then I it's... think it's the classic precedent issue. It's like the the dangers of and saviors of precedent goes like both ways. But like then, you know, it, I, I think it creates a tension here 
Mm-hmm. That- and because they're classified documents, they can't go to the public and be like, Trump's holding on to nuclear codes or right. and Biden's holding on to, you know, fucking domestic random domestic policy and from or like something that's just like not at the same level. And it's like that's can't be shared with the public. So again, optically, it's just like it's not good politically for Biden at all. Or it's like both are squashed and then Trump gets away with whatever he did. Totally. I think it's just a mess. The second I saw this story, like the first iteration of it come out, I just went, oh, excuse me, losing my voice because I was up way too late watching Wednesday Adams. It's fine. So if I'm slow, slow today, just blame that binge-a-thon. It's this is why I'm not allowed to have Netflix. Anyways, back to this is Alessa. Everyone check out my Wednesday Adams nails, which I know, just, you're really channeling. I know. Regardless, <laughs> in this Trump situation, when I saw this break, I just want oh shit, you know? Because yeah. I like I said, like there should be accountability here. There should be an investigation. There's gotta be information as to like why this happens and why it shouldn't happen for sure. This is not a good look. This is not a good thing to be happening as in the actions taken clearly by Biden previously or his staff, I don't know, or together, whatever that looks like, but it just really, it'll be so interesting to see where this goes. Totally. Especially with 2024 coming around. Wow. Jinx. I mean, it could be finally an opportunity for Biden to be like, all right, I'm going to resign or something, or I'm going to step, step aside and Kamala, comes in and she's the candidate because like that's still a lot of people's concern is that biden might not be able to win a re-election just due to everyone's yeah. concern about his age and then add this on top of it it's not it's not good for the dems so it is and what's shitty it does about start this, to become like candidate viability and like who's who's gonna yeah. be the best option especially since he's supposed to be and the dems are supposed to be like the opposite of trump they're supposed to be painted mm-hmm. in you know, black and white here. And especially when it comes to what is not like moral high ground, but like the ability to, oh, I don't know. I feel like just like public trust, like Democrats actually like have, I feel like maybe like gained back a lot of public trust in the past, say year or so, or a couple years even because of the way the GOP has just spiraled into like crazy. Never, never land. Yeah. Yeah. That there have been a lot of people being like, okay, well, Democrats may be the party of like common sense and, you know, rule of law and whatever. Right. And this could tarnish that. So, yeah. It's interesting because I was talking with my friends, like they're asking, asking yours truly, like, okay, like, do you think he'll run? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I, I do. I really don't see. As much as you know, you just mentioned like Biden stepping aside. I don't see him doing it. I don't see the person yeah, that unless something like this ran like you know for president twice previously. I mean, it has to be. I think this is going to be a developing story in the next month and a half, seeing where it lands before anything's totally. decided. But totally. I also we'll don't keep you updated. The pick will be Kamala. If mm, yeah, if so, just well again, it depends on where I this think it'll goes. Because yeah. if he gets fucked for this, like in the next few weeks or months or whatever like it might have to be something where like 
he steps aside or I don't know it could go down that way I don't know I look I am really hopeful for like a Gretchen Whitmer ticket at some point or like a Gavin Newsom ticket or Stacey Mm -hmm. Abrams ticket you know I think I really like Kamala I just think that she has had kind of a a tough run of things not to her own I just don't think VP is always the best position politically I mean obviously it helped Biden get here but it can but push it under the stick. I think really it has to like, you can't be go like vice president and then like make a big move after that. Like, I think Biden did it right where he like let some time pass and then like came back and ran for president. You know, it's just like questionable whether it's like a good stepping stone because you become such a behind the scenes person. Like, and then yeah. you get like, you get all the weird roles of like going to like random countries cool. and you're almost like what the queen of England. Like you're just there. Totally. To show face. You're like kind of like an ambassador vibe. Like yeah. I was, the book that our book club is reading, Elected, oh, sorry, Electable by Ali Vitali. They're getting started on today. So if you want to join the Gov Club book club, I recommend going to our website and checking that out and joining today so you're not behind or you can sign up for the next one, whatever. But anyways, in that book, it talks about the VP role and the context of Kamala and just generally too, about how it's such a funky role because most people that aim for VP want to be president and you have to, but you really are taking on the politics of that president. And so you have to be like aggressive and assertive on behalf of them, but also you can't quite grandstand yourself, even though to Mm -hmm. then run for president in a way you have to also grandstand yourself. So you're in this weird, like middle ground where no matter what you do, you're, you can't really like be yourself stuck. No, you can't, you can't. So I think it's, it would be tricky for anyone, but I think it's, you know she's in kind of a funky spot optics wise any vp kind of is and you're kind of yeah like you said i don't think her jump should necessarily be now be from be now i think she should make the jump and should run for president again i would love to see that but i think and this is for any vp this isn't just her i think the jump from vp right to president is funky oh, i yeah. also will say this is i would love to see just in terms of like democracy, accountability, like that category, there be space between and turnover between presidencies. Like if there's going mm-hmm. to be a fresh set of people brought in from the same party, say the Dems were to like win again, but on a different ticket, I would want to see two totally new people on that ticket. Yeah. So yeah. I guess we'll see. But we will. And we'll keep you updated on this this weird fucking classified documents story. It's also just one like he just one of those ones where it's like, how how does this happen? Yeah. The the admin around it too. And the way that I also think that it's like it could totally be something where like Trump and Biden, like their teams and the people around them are so big and like obviously they're the face of that team, but it's like It could have literally been a staffer that left something there. It could be literally that small or it could be much, much bigger and much, much more dangerous to like national security, especially given the Trump's documents from what we know. We don't know what Biden's are yet, but like national security information that's like really yeah. top secret. I also just don't and in the hands of that man, Biden's reaction with the Corvette comment. I felt like that was just irresponsible. Yeah, I didn't see that. He made like a, a comment. I think honestly, Ducey was like, 
going after him, which like, I love their banter and I, I don't know what the better answer would have been necessarily, but basically Biden was like, well, they were like locked in my garage with my Corvette. It's not like they were just like sitting on the street. And it's like, mm. dude, first of all, don't drag Corvettes into it. We're going to have the Chevy people coming after you. Dangerous spot to be. But like, just it's. I think what he was probably trying to do was to de-escalate, try and make it seem more casual. Like, like oops, human error, kind of. Right. And yeah. he just, to me, it, he would have been better at keeping it at the serious level. Like, I don't think it's one. Well, to... I think also painting it as human error is not the wrong move. I think that's the correct move. But I think obviously, like, bringing it. Yeah, yeah, like him saying that probably wasn't the best idea but yeah corvette corvette next story without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies count on real-time product availability and fast delivery Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. <laughs> let's, let's get in the car. We're getting the Corvette and we're driving over to this next one. We're driving to Missouri. So, y'all might have seen this break on Friday and we wanted to bring it under Talk the about old it. spotlight. Yeah. So, Missouri Democrats say House, dra- oh my God. Missouri Democrats say House dress code debate is a distraction. Well, I don't even think it's a distraction. I just think it's messed up. So women who serve in the Missouri House will face a tougher dress code when they return to the floor this week after a debate that Democrats panned as a pointless distraction from the issues facing the state. Not entirely wrong, I will say. They now have four days school day or school weeks. So, you know, there's that. Oh, my God. Yep. 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 Because funding. So. Wow. The new rules require female legislators and staff members to wear jackets such as a cardigan or a blazer. The Republican lawmaker who introduced the change said it was done to ensure decorum and mirror the men's dress code. Democrats called it ridiculous, saying women shouldn't be policed for their fashion choices. And get this, Republican Representative Ann Woman Kelly, who introduced the amendment, said it cleans up the language in current House rules so the dress code for women will mirror the dress code for men. The way, like, I, she thinks this is, like, some form of, like, equality, like. <laughs> beyond. I don't like, even yeah. think she does. I think this is just how she's painting it. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's it's honestly a great in, comms argument to be like, we just want the men and the women to have the same dress code, you know? Which Where, that's just would clearly me. I not would show the intent. Up in a freaking bikini. I'd be no, like, literally oh, tits sorry. out. I would yep. have. Tits out areola showing. You know what I would wear is I would wear I would wear a cardigan that's like fully see through, and then like my mm. shirt, everything would just be see through, and just be like, "What do you mean I'm I'm wearing? I'm I'm dress code." Yeah, I dress thought you coded. wanted to add some clarifying language. You did, and <laughs> yeah. I did get the memo and Clean I did up the language. Those. Yeah, yeah. So if you're in Missouri and you are a Democratic rep, just an idea for you, just food for thought. Ann Kelly is giving me is triggering me to. Mrs. Gravel. Who's who that? Is, who is my, who is the, this woman at my middle school who would drive around in a golf cart and get everyone in trouble for like a range of things, dress code being one of them. And just, she was just this like evil 
woman and you know just like the middle school dress code days like shorts had to be mid quad no no spaghetti straps no bra straps showing because god forbid we distract these little boys you know ridiculous 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 also most california thing ever is having a golf court on campus that there was even an outdoor part of this campus i could say so many mean things about her as to why she really moved around on that golf cart but i'm not gonna go there oh i look i read between the lines you know i can i can pick up what you're putting down yeah but nonetheless i also had one science teacher who said that wearing bras would cause breast cancer and Mm. i love her for that because i'm not a bra girl me neither (laughs) i literally that's my that's my favorite teacher there was some shirt that i had to wear i think it might have even been dc and it's one of those ones that just like requires a bra in the sense of like otherwise your nips are out it's see-through vibe like Mm. just one of like white to sheer situation and it was honestly a traumatic experience. I was like, I I don't know if I could ever forget how much I hate wearing bras. I don't know. But no, this it's... really, it brought it back. I hate it. It hurts my shoulders. It hurts my neck. So many tension headaches. I mean, we're also in the itty bitty titty committee. So That's true. We've got. It's a, it's a specific committee that is yeah. anti-bra, but I also know the big titty committee loves bras and needs them. And yep. I support that. And I support those women through yep. and through. There it is. And I, the only women that I don't support is really, well, there is a list, but it specifically does include Republican representative of Missouri and Kelly. So <laughs> that is where we are there. This is what she said. It is essential to always maintain a formal and professional atmosphere on the House floor and to ensure this happens. I have felt compelled to offer this amendment, she said Wednesdays during Wednesday's floor debate. Her initial amendment said women would be required to wear business attire, specifically a jacket, which would include blazers and knit blazers. After a spirited debate, Vi's amendment was adopted to clarify that a cardigan could be worn. Ridiculous. Also, I need to look up what this woman looks like right now and just be like, why are you giving me fashion advice? She's just such the classic, like, let me hold the torch for the patriarchy, you know? Mm -hmm, 100%. I, I don't know. It's such pick me energy. I don't know who she's trying her. to impress, I but her. I don't think God's having a moment with this either. So anyways, men in the Missouri House of Representatives were required were already. Oh, God. Sorry, I'm done. Okay. Okay. We're going to we're going to be mature for the rest of this. We're going to try. Maybe. And in the nope. <laughs> and in the Missouri House of Representatives were already required to wear a jacket, shirt, and tie. Under the previous dress code, women were required to wear dresses or skirts or slacks worn with a blazer or sweater and appropriate dress shoes or boots. Second layer of clothing was not required. Like, can you imagine thinking that someone is so unprofessional because their arms are showing? It's... I wouldn't think of a man any like less like professional if they were. No, like, and the way I that I like want jacket. John Fetterman to walk into the Senate floor like with yep. his hoodie on, like I don't fucking care. I don't. I, I just don't, never have cared about that. I'm just either. like and, let people do them. And you just know that I think this is one of those things where it's like the comms thing sort of sweeps this a little bit. But this is so to me, obviously not over like decorum or being on the equal playing field of dress code. Like this is just like well, the thing is too religious is misogynistic like the, bullshit. Especially, yeah, because it, I'm, I'm sure there wasn't, like, some catalyst of some chick coming in with, like, some slutty outfit on. Like, I'm sure everyone still was, like, very professionally dressed. So this totally. is just some added layer that's so unnecessary and clearly misogynistic. And 
I, yeah, I just can't. Sorry. We yeah. just keep adding a lot of commentary. It's just get through this. Yeah. Okay. So Ashley Oon, you know, it could be on, it could be, I, we're not sure. We're not sure, but we <laughs> are a fan. Um, it's spelled A-U-N-E. If anyone listening knows how to pronounce this, send us a voice memo in our DMs and you'll be featured at some yep. point. And if you're wondering how either of us got through English class in either high school or college, we're not sure. We, we did it with our bra straps out. <laughs> we were fighting the good fight. <laughs> we were a little distracted. Yeah. We are fighting for being able to wear whatever we want. Bingo. That is actually true. I like literally, I had like a, what you might call it, a senior, it was called like a senior interviewer on campus role. And you like interview potential students. And I wore a romper instead of a dress and I got dress coded. And I mm-hmm. thought it was ridiculous. And I put up a whole argument because I was like, why is a piece of fabric actually between my legs, which is like more formal and therefore more <laughs> yeah. modest? Right, yeah. like I could spread is... my legs and nobody can see. What's it? Right, so a that girl in a dress can't sense. say that. Bingo! And it was a freaking great. It was a professional romper I wore in the city for an internship. It was totally fine with it. Was fashion internship though, so I should probably plug that. But with like an oversized blazer, like really cute, like heeled flat situation, whatever. You know, Long story also, short, honestly, I, I want to point out this dress code conversation is actually a, a, a serious one, and it has plagued young women and women everywhere forever and i just also want to point out that if you are a bigger breasted woman or you have more curves you are tend to be the victim of dress codes yep more than others because of the way that those body types are sexualized and just want to really give a shout out to those women as well for probably being victims of this even more so. It's just, it's not fair. And this this story is definitely triggering, I'm sure, for a lot of people. I was going to say, like, this is classist. It's fat phobic. It's mm, yeah. so many different things coming from so many different angles. I just think, too, like, this is something, like, we always say to, like, our interns is, like, a part of it. It's, like, dress how you want to dress. Like, what mm-hmm. makes you comfortable? What makes you feel confident? What makes you feel happy? And, ha- like, that's what... That's what's important. Should, right. And be able to to wear and I this is just I don't know maybe it's also like the fashiony side of me too but I just be able to express yourself like that's ridiculous and this obviously goes beyond that but yeah anyways we will let me we'll read this quote story <laughs> I'm sorry guys we're just we're rambly today anyways she said I've seen a lot of a lot of lack of decorum in this room in my two years here and not once has the lack of decorum spurred from someone's blazer or lack thereof. There are a lot of ways we could break decorum in the room, but a woman, what she's wearing, that is ridiculous. The representative, Democratic representative, went on to say she's personally been asked about her attire even though she was following the rules. Do you know what it feels like to have a bunch of men in this room looking at your top trying to determine if it's appropriate or not, she said? Like, that is, like, just also so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And like, like that feeling is real too. Like if you're in professional settings and you feel mm-hmm. like, you know, you as a woman, like you do try to dress professionally, but again, like the way that you could literally be like in a chastity belt and like still be sexualized as a woman, it's just like it's never ending. And like it totally. is like an insecure place to be in when like you feel like you have to make sure nobody thinks of you in that way and people take you seriously. And it's like, like that women extra take- space in your brain you have yeah. to actually have in there that men don't even ever have to think about. Exactly. No man ever walks and goes, 
you know what? I wonder if this tie today, if this pair of pants is really going to... It's turning too many people on. Yep. (laughs) Dear God. Anyway, Virginia Ramsire Winter, an associate professor at the University of Missouri School of Health Professions and director of the Center for Body Image Research and Policy, said lawmakers shouldn't have even debated this because it is unnecessarily put the focus on the way women look instead of the issues. Kelly said ensuring decorum was a key reason behind her proposal, an idea Democrats seized on. I think it reinforced the idea idea that we value women more for their appearance above other thing other important things like their intelligence and their contributions. Like that's not, it's just not what this is about. It's just such a, a facade. Okay. Ram Sayer, Winter, and other critics of the measure said the debate echoed the one over abortion restrictions lawmakers approved last summer after the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. I do think that it also sends the message that we have to police women's bodies, she said. Agreed. Representative Rachel Prouty, a Democrat, took issue with the amendment before it was amended to include cardigan. She pointed out that it wouldn't be easy for pregnant women to comply because they don't make jackets or blazers for women who are pregnant. That'd be very uncomfortable, particularly in a pro-life state. Period. Yep. The dress code was a small part of a package of rules that state lawmakers ultimately approved last Wednesday. There are some very serious things that are in the rule package that I think we should be debating, but instead we are fighting again for a woman's right to choose something. This time Mm -hmm. it's about how she covers herself, Proudy said. Mm-hmm. Fucking facts. She's just on point. Lawmakers and other states have pushed back against dress code rules as sexist and culturally insensitive. Congress's longstanding ban on sleeveless tops and open toes shoes generated a fight in 2017 because those rules were updated. Missouri Republicans said the criticism of the dress code was overdone when all the rules didn't was clarify what is required. It's a normal process for any entity regarding professional work environment, Republican state rep Doug Rishi said. We just happen to have a political context that we have to navigate. And because of that, it's ripe for some members to grandstand and try to make it into something that it's not. That's just like not it. I also disagree. This isn't like something that is continually debated like this in workplaces at this point. No, like if anything, it's getting more casual because casual. If you think about the pandemic, like the mm-hmm. way the pandemic shifted things in terms of formality. Mm-hmm. Totally. Is- so different like even too, like when we bop on calls with people also in the professional space like a lot of times we're all wearing sweatshirts like maybe they're nicer sweatshirts maybe they're a nicer plain sweater but like we're the level of where we dressed yeah and it's like great because the the value and priority has been shifted again towards like are you doing the work are you doing the work well are you Right. professionally mannered and you know respectful or whatever like that's really what should matter is like how somebody acts and you know performs professionally versus like what they want to wear it should be totally, totally up to the individual and like people's outside judgments on what people wear is the person who's judging's problem not the person who's being judged so it's just like it's all just i I hate this so much. Well, we have something else we hate. Yeah. We have two more short stories for everyone because we had a GOP candidate arrested in shootings at lawmakers' homes, Mm -hmm. a failed Republican candidate who authorities said was angry over his defeat and made baseless claims the election last November was rigged against him. Sounds familiar. Was arrested in connection with a series of drive-by shootings targeting the homes of Democratic lawmakers in New Mexico's largest city. 
Solomon Pina, 39, was arrested Monday evening, just hours after SWAT officers took him into custody and served search warrants at his home, police said. Albuquerque Police Chief Harold Medina described Pina as the, quote, mastermind of what he said appears to be a politically motivated conspiracy leading to shootings at the homes of two county commissioners and two state legislators between early December and early January. No one was injured in the shootings, but in one case, three bullets passed through the bedroom of a state senator's 10-year-old daughter. Pina ran unsuccessfully in November against incumbent state rep Miguel P. Garcia, the longtime Democrat representing House District 14 in the South Valley. Garcia won by 48 percentage points, or roughly 3,600 votes. I just... I saw this developing a few weeks ago and was kind of curious, like, where is this going to land? Who's behind these shootings? The time that I was looking at it wasn't quite clear. And this just makes it so vile. Like, think about if that woman's daughter was there and was killed or shot or injured or anything like that. Not to mention that this is messed up and traumatic in general. You run for elected office to represent your community and better your community. And this is the reaction. Mm-hmm. So there's that element. I also AKA the voters made the the correct choice on this. Totally. One. Totally. <laughs> this is you know what this reminds me of. It's you know when you're talking to a dude and you're like, you're just not into it, but you're like, oh, you're like dreading texting them like sorry, like just not feeling it. Mm-hmm. You, Cause you kind of like know they're not gonna react well. Could be two dates and could be three dates and whatever. And you text them and they blow the fuck up. Like you mm-hmm. give them the nicest text, like, hi, like it's been great getting to know you. But I like can't take no for an answer. They're like, like freaking but... out. Yeah. And they like and, keep trying it with you. And it They're ends like... up like, and you're like, oh, this is valid. Like that happened to one of my friends recently. And she was like, obviously, it's not fun getting yelled at by anyone, especially when it's not deserved, but anyone at any point. And I was like having to tell her, I was like, this sucks it feels so awkward did i do something wrong it's like mm-hmm. no this is like proof that you made the right choice totally. like i always feel that guilt like you know and you like end up saying like rejecting someone that's that responds nicely that's like oh like don't worry about it wish you the best whatever yeah. and like, shit like and then you're you like damn it I like i like them I again <laughs> right you're like oh man but I it know. reminds me of like this type of scenario in terms of dodged a literal bullet because this mm-hmm. is clearly how this guy handles things, which is so scary. And I just can't. And there's also, so there's, do you follow, well, we follow on Growing Up the Podcast, Stick Talk, Griffin Brooks, who's just like one of my favorite talkers. And Griffin was a part of this panel held by Vice. They were mm-hmm. talking all about like misogyny, men's rights, and this one dude who I didn't know who this guy was, but said that men were more logical. And the first thing that came to mind, I was like, then why is every story I keep seeing popping up from the New York Post and otherwise literally like man decides not to get a divorce and kills family? No, tell me literally. Like, I tell me like, who's who can't control their emotions. Right. And exactly. this is just such another good example, messed up example, but of that. I'm like, logic my literal ass. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, logic my literal wagon. That's. <laughs> okay last story there it is so gop rep jim banks that really feels like agent cody banks touch yeah Mm -hmm. 
Well, he jumped into the race for an open Indiana Senate seat. See, these races are heating up. And my friends were like asking me, they're like, do you guys think you're going to see like such a big like bump of stuff in 2024? I was like, bitches, like 2024 already started. Like we're ready. 2024 is here. It's not 2023. Yeah. This is going to be 2024 is going to last two years. Yeah. It's it's like 2020. (laughs) (laughs) It's just it never ends. Yeah. So nonetheless, this is how they describe him. Republican Representative Jim Banks, a combative defender of former President Donald Trump. Like I imagine a combative toddler, which I did see one the other day, and it was the best birth control as poor mom. This toddler was like hitting her, screaming, freaking mm-hmm. out. She's trying to like, and this toddler's kind of tall. She's just trying to like teach her lesson, like put her down, be like, <laughs> no, we're not toddler. hitting. Like it was this so, toddler anyways. was kind of tall. <laughs> Like a, like a human-sized toddler. Yeah. Speaking of Donald Trump, okay. human-sized yes, toddler. So exactly. That's why it just really connected. But Jim Beggs announced on Tuesday that he's running for the U.S. Senate seat from Indiana, being vacated by GOP Senator Mike Braun. Banks is the first candidate to formally enter the Senate race since Braun said in December that he would forego a 2024 re-election bid and run instead for Indiana governor. Interesting. Banks' announcement comes days after Donald Trump Jr. and the Washington-based anti-tax club for growth began attacking former Indiana governor Mitch Daniels as insufficiently conservative, while Daniels ponders whether to seek also seek the Senate seat. Wow, the girls are fighting. Banks criticized current Senate Republicans for cooperating too much with the Biden administration and allowing passage of a massive $1.7 trillion spending bill that benefits the state of Indiana, for anyone that's curious, just before Christmas. I just believe now more than ever that we need conservatives in the Senate who are going to fight back against radical Democratic policies instead of going along with it, Banks told the Associated Press. Republican primary voters are looking for a conservative fighter, someone to go to Washington and fight for who's your family values and against the radical socialist woke agenda that Democrats are pushing in Washington. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, a little, again, 2024 update there. Also, the way that I really spit at the Washington-based anti-tax club for growth. <laughs> you know what it reminded me of, though? Like the anti-sad girls club or whatever those sweatshirts <laughs> or, were? Um, What's it called? Anti-social. Anti-social. That's what it is. Not sex. Sorry, guys. Anti-tax club for growth. (laughs) Anti-tax club for growth. I'm going to be decoding that riddle for for days to come. Well, in that category, there was, I put this on our story last week. There was like this ridiculous anti-porn law, you know, like one of those classic bills proposed that won't go anywhere situation, I think from, I think it was Utah Senator, and then some other rep proposed something also within the same category about like banning porn online or something. And it was like the Screen Act. And it was like something like with retinas in it, like like shield, children's retinas. (laughs) It was like they did anything and everything to possibly make screen the name for it oh like the acronym what? it was like the screen acronym, the screen whatever act. staffer had to like real just yeah retina like, what retina i was protect retinas crying. yep just oh my gosh that's... we have a few announcements though just like some housekeeping okay let's hear them okay housekeeping one is a question a question we probably should have put this in the beginning maybe we'll also put this in our intro for tomorrow too so we're trying to figure out if top stories works best on tuesdays or if you guys would prefer it on Thursdays. We were just canoodling, thinking in the brains. We're happy to do this Tuesdays. We love doing it Tuesdays, getting you guys some news at the beginning of the week to really just 
start things off and think of this as like the lens of like, these are some political stories to think about as the week goes on and keep in sort of the back of the brain and set you up. However, we could also see with just the amount of constant political news, by the time we get to Thursday, sometimes there's even more political news. There's always a story that breaks out. There always is more political news on Thursday. But we want to make sure that we're giving you the most, the mostest, the hostess with the mostest, just at the best point in the week that's the most helpful to you. Tuesdays would be, uh, like Sam said, setting up the week but we also even like talk about stuff from like the week prior so that's the other thing is that like mm-hmm. thursday could be good because like sometimes on a tuesday we'll talk about something that dropped last wednesday because it's that big of a story so if it was thursday then we could talk about it thursday i don't know the other thing is like sometimes when things release on tuesdays things have major updates on wednesday And maybe things are no longer as timely from the Tuesday recording and we're not getting you guys the the exact timely details that are needed to understand a story. So let us know. We'll Mm -hmm. maybe put a poll on Instagram or something to try and get get your thoughts. And if you don't see one, then just DM us what your thoughts are. Facts. Okay. For a few other quick things. One, please make sure to follow us on TikTok at Girl on the Gov. And also on Instagram at Girl on the Gov and Girl on the Gov the podcast. If you are not following, please, 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 please help us out. Make sure that you've added Girl on the Gov to your favorites so you're always and or notifications so you see when we put up new posts. The other thing is that we are considering doing maybe more of a weekly newsletter or something that's a little bit, what is the word that I'm looking for, more frequent. We do a once a month newsletter with company updates and quick links to action items, things like that. But we want to make sure that you guys are getting those resources. So let us know. We will take it into consideration. See what we can do. Yes, sorry. That is it for, oh, Siri just popped up because mm. I said yes. <laughs> that is it for this this Top Stories episode. We'll be talking to you tomorrow with a very, very exciting interview yep. with Rep Rokana of California. We're talking all about the housing crisis as well as his new bill that will be addressing a very important piece of the housing crisis. So tune in we'll talk to you tomorrow toodaloo toodles Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description.